Oh, good to see you tonight. Let's turn our Bibles, please, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, and keep your, your finger in Ecclesiastes. We'll turn to a couple of chapters there tonight, and I uh, hope that you've had an encouraging week. I heard some good reports this week, a couple of our, um, couple of our young people just making good strides, leading friends to Christ, and all of that. That's always encouraging, and uh, let's continue the good work there. But we're going to look at a couple of um, of passages of Scripture tonight. So if you would please just uh, quickly follow along this evening and um, turn to the different places, we'll we'll um, we'll get through our, our message tonight. But what an encouraging weekend we had, and really encouraged by the message as well. Um, really, really privileged. Really, I was just thinking about even this morning. Just the good friends I have in the ministry, and uh, uh, Pastor Highland certainly is one of those. And um, would you, if you don't mind, just continue to pray for them as they seek God's will for uh, for the future for them and and just the the work that the Lord would have for them. But glad for good friends. I was on the on a call with a few of them this morning as well. Just with a couple of a uh, couple of things coming up in in the new year, just things that we're working on, um, working together in, and then just even this afternoon, just had some conversations about the need in Australia, and just was a, felt a little heavy in my heart about that. And uh, we were looking at just talking about the the needs in in different places. How um, really, if we were to make a difference as as churches, how much work there is. But with work comes the workers. We need more laborers for the field. And so if we would pray about that, that would be a good thing, I think. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we'll continue here with our series on fearing God. And what we're going to find tonight is that fearing God really has the result of, of just giving us protection from, from certain things. And we've seen already as we have studied in the last few times we've had the opportunity, we've seen how the fear of God will allow someone to live morally and, and wisely. We understand that really when it comes to it, we need, we need God to, to be the, the, the measure of morality, but also the giver of wisdom. And so fearing God, having a right estimation of God, actually will produce those things in our lives. It's a, it's, it's a pattern of those that have had wisdom, and those who have lived righteously, they've all feared God. Then we looked at last time that fearing God gives us a, a godly perspective of our lives, both about all the good things that, that happen in our lives, but also some of the things that are difficult and are, 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 are trouble and, and trials in our lives. And we saw the example, really, of Job. And so now we're going to look at how God, fearing God gives us protection and notice verse 8 here in the, the final few verses of the, this great, uh, great book of the Bible, where it says, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. And so he's really just summarizing 
hear some of his learnings and some of his conclusions. And so he comes with the, the ultimate conclusion. He says in verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep this command, his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And notice what he says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And he goes through and he understands that, that under the sun and the, the great theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is that everything under the sun is vanity. When you understand it all and, and really this man, uh, Solomon, he had the opportunity to experience everything that he could think of. When he went through all of that, he still summarized it with this vanity of vanities, just the emptiness of life. But he says there that, that really to, to fill it, we need to hear the conclusion of the matter. He says, fear God. That's going to be the thing that gives life substance. And we're going to, that's really what we're going, to, we're, we're going to lead into the first point. But, you know, many times in the scriptures, the Bible says about the fear of God, it's likened, like in Psalm 115, verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You think about what a shield does, and you know we don't we don't walk around with shields these days. We have we have what we think we have a concept of that. In in the battles of yesteryear, that you would bring a shield as literally your 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 protection from any kind of weaponry. And what a shield does is it preserves you. It, it makes sure that uh, that you will get to the end of the battle victorious. He says that the, the that fearing the Lord is like that. It's like your shield. It's your protection. It's your life preserver. In Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamp encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. And, and even here, the, there's are those that the, the angelic hosts will encamp around and, and surround those that fear him. And there's, there's this added protection and added, uh, added guidance, so to speak, when we are those that would fear him. In Psalm 103, verses 13 to 14, the Bible says this, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Why? For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. He, he understands that really we're limited. And so when we fear God and understand who he is, it's like him pitying his, it's like when a father pities his children. And in Psalm 145, verse 19, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will, will hear their cry and will save them. And I think about that picture of a father to the child. And, and uh, you know, many times I know knowing my dad, my, my earthly dad, and his certain stand on things and certain ex expectations of me was, was the protection I needed. You know, as any young person would, sometimes we, we try to venture out further than we need to, and we try to push the boundaries, so to speak. And there are several times I know that I was leading into something, and the last thing that stopped me was literally my father's voice in my head. And sometimes there were, there were the consequences he told me, like, if you do this, you will need to live elsewhere. <laughs> And uh, if you do this, this is going to be the result. And, and that was the thing that would stop me. And, and you know, back then I, I thought it was because of the harshness of my dad. But it's actually because he pitied me. He understood my limitation and he instilled in me a fear of him, a respect and an understanding of him 
so that when I was going through life situations, he could at least be a voice in my life. And that's the same way with our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is a shield. He surrounds us with His resources. When we fear Him, we understand that He is an omniscient, uh, omnipresent, uh, omnipotent God who in all of His knowledge and all of His understanding of us, we can trust Him and His voice in our lives. And and that's the fear of God. And and we can go around and, and maybe... You didn't have that relationship with your dad, your earthly father. Maybe that's strain. Maybe there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect there where there's, that's not a great example in your life. But I want to tell you, above it all, is if we were Christians, then above it all is the voice of God. And, and, and really, having a right estimation of God is a greater deterrent and a greater protection for us in all kinds of things in our lives. And I want to bring that out for you tonight as we look at these these passages of scripture. And again, the context of Ecclesiastes, we're just this is just a jumping off point, is that he he was he was really observing life and understood that it would without the fear of God, firstly, and then what we see there, keeping his commandments and and that's being the whole duty of man. Without that, then what what life produces is emptiness. And so here's the first way that the fear of God or the first thing that the fear of God protects us from, it, it keeps us from an empty or a wasted life. You know, there's, there's a lot of lives that have been emptied and, and just been wasted. I remember years ago, we, we, I was at youth camp. I was, uh, we had a guest speaker, and he, he brought up an apple. He was saying that one of the things that, God will, uh, the, that the devil will do is, is try to ruin your, your testimony and ruin... Your life, and he he began to sort of bruise that apple, and he began to say, you know, one of the way, one of the things that that the devil will do is, uh, the the devil will, will try to do in your life is, he, if you won't, uh, if you you won't lose your life, then he'll get you to waste your life. He was saying it's just like this apple, you know, there's there's great nutrition and value, but you know, if you play around with it, then it gets bruised up. It doesn't look as appealing, and it get, it gets wasted. And that's what the devil will do. And, and really, there's not much that we need to do to waste our lives. We, we just have to just go and follow our own way. And, and that's that, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says here, is the thing that will keep us from a life of vanity or wasted or an empty life. And I think he says that similarly here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And again, let's follow along quickly tonight and uh, if if um, if I'm getting ahead of you, I'm, I'm not trying to race you. I'm just trying to race through this. All right. So, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, look at verse two. And again, this is a, a re-reading of the law. So that as they were about to enter into the land, so really this is a reminder of his expectations. He says in verse two that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all these statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. And, you know, we, we understand the promise uh, to us if we were to honor our parents that he's going to prolong our life. And, and really that's because of the fact that that's a command of God. And when we do that, we follow God and he prolongs our life. He's saying there to these people. Then in verse 13, skip down to that. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. 
and serve him and shalt swear by his name. So there's an emphasis there of fearing God. And then in verse 24, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. Notice it's to fear the Lord our God for our God uh, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And what he was saying is he didn't want them to come into this promised land with all of its potential, with all of its its richness and all of the things that he was was going to bless them with and, and waste it. He said, I'm going to give you all, those, all the good. I'm going to prolong you in that land. And what he was saying to them was this. There's a, there's a certain path that leads to fullness. And that path starts with a fear of God. It's having a right estimation of God's place in our lives. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can say fills our lives. But he's saying to begin with, if you, don't want to, if you want to be protected from an empty or wasted life, then that that. The, the way to do that is you're going to start, you're going to have to start with a fear of God. That'll protect you from having an empty life. I think about uh, a, a famous lady in the, in the scriptures in Proverbs 31. And we know that lady to be the virtuous woman. And if you look at that list, it's an amazing list actually. And, and sometimes, I know sometimes ladies hate it when the preacher goes there because there's just so much. And it's like, I can't compare to her. But you know, when you read through all of that, this, she's an amazing lady, the virtuous woman. But he, the, the Bible summarizes her life with this in Proverbs 31.30. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So actually, even the things that seem to fill her life, all of those achievements... And sometimes we measure our lives by achievement, by the things that we can be described by. And even though all of those things were true of her, the thing that, was, that actually filled her life and was praiseworthy was that she feared the Lord. That after all of that, and she was quite accomplished, read it another time, she was quite accomplished, the summary of her life was this, she feared the Lord. That's what was worthy to praise in her life. And too many people, I think we, we try to either have a, sometimes have a careless attitude toward life, like it'll just take care of itself, or we, we try to fill it with other things. And yet the thing that'll really fill our lives is just having a fear of God. And the Bible's careful to tell us actually in in. Uh, in Matthew 10:28, even as far as our own lives, it says, "And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." And he's saying there that actually there's there's a lot of things that we we try to do that because of a fear we we fear deaths, and so we we fear those things that kill the body. And he says that, fear them not, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body. In Luke 12, 5, similarly, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And we know who it's speaking about there. It's speaking about God himself, right? He's the determiner of, of life and death. But we understand there that he's saying that, the, that there's, there's certain things that, that motivate us that, that fear, that that, that is based on fear, 
that cause us to, to make decisions and causes us to sort of fill our lives with things. And, and he's saying there that actually we need to fear one greater. And that's what the fear of God does. It does. It keeps you from, from just, just a, an average life. It keeps you from an empty or wasted life. And you understand that life firstly is given from God. Then you understand that life is taken by God. But then you also understand because of that, that God gives meaning or filling in life. And he says that in Luke 12, 15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And you could have someone who's filled their lives with all of earth's treasures. And, and again, we can, we can point to Solomon about that. Solomon had, had an abundance of, of riches. It was ridiculous. And yet at the end of it, he still concluded, what's the point of life? Fear God. And, and he understood that all of the other things weren't really going to fill life the way that he thought it would. And you, you and I know that. You and I know, understand that. We, we've attained something and we've, we think that's going to fill the hole and fill, fill the the, the kind of emptiness that we, we thought we had, and then we find that there's just more. And, and the reality is that, that what the fear of God will do, it'll, it'll be a protector in this way. It'll keep you from an empty life. But really related to that, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And notice verse 12. It says, Though a sinner do evil an hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. And the next thing, sometimes what, we, what, what people do is rather than filling up their lives with good things, they try to fill up their lives with wickedness. And the second thing that the fear of God protects us from is it, it keeps us from a wicked life. Remember, we already spoke about the fact that when we have a real fear of God, it, it, that's the thing that will cause righteousness and morality to come in our lives. And so it just would be logic to say that the fear of God then will protect us from a wicked life. And in Proverbs 3, 7, the Bible says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And so those two things are, are, uh, are inclusive of each other. When we fear the Lord like we do, like we ought, then we are going to be protected from a wicked life. We'll depart from evil. And really, when you know God, you know His omnipotence, you know His omnipresence and His omniscience, all of those things ought to just be the thing that keeps us from sin. Right? When you know that God is all-powerful, He's the great judge, when you know that He's everywhere, and anywhere, and when you know that he's all-knowing, then can anything be hidden from the Lord? No. And so it keeps us from a wicked life. And so I think that's pretty, pretty easy to understand, isn't it? When we know God and we understand, really, and, and again, if you're, you're dealing with, with some things that, are, that, that you're struggling with as far as wickedness and, and evil in your own life, then what you need to be growing in is not a resistance to that. It's a growing in your knowledge of God. That'll keep you from sin. But here's the next one. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 42. 
Genesis chapter 42. And this is, this is speaking about Joseph. And this is now where he's the second in command in Egypt. God's preserved him through all of the things that he went through. His brethren are coming now because of the dearth in the land, the, the, the lack, the famine that has come about. And Joseph knows it's his brethren, but the, the, his brethren don't know it's Joseph. Right? And, and here's, here's what the Bible says. Um, about this. So in verse 14, Joseph said unto them, that, it, that is it that I spake unto you, saying you are spies. So he was testing them. He was accusing them that they were spies. Hereby you shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go forth. Hence, except your youngest brother come hither, saying, Bring Benjamin. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of, of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. So he, he accuses them of being spies. He says, here's how you can approve yourself. I want one of you to go back and bring back your youngest brother, and that'll prove that you're not. And notice what Joseph says. Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live, for I fear God. You know what he's saying, and, and I, look at the broader context. They put him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and even later on, they understood the crime that they had committed against Joseph, but Joseph was unwilling to, to revenge himself. He was, in effect, saying here, I'm giving him a chance, and he, I know he created this scenario, but the broader context was they were, they, were the, they were the ones that put him in that horrid situation that he went through. And now, actually, he has the power to, 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 to cause vengeance to be put upon them. And he's saying here, you know why you live? Because I fear God. You know why I won't harm you? Because I fear God. And Later on, he, when, when they find out it's Joseph, then their, their father dies. They were again fearful that, that now Joseph was going to... And Joseph said something along the lines of, am I in the place of God? And he understood because, he, he, because of his, his relationship, his knowledge of God, that it wasn't in his hand to reap vengeance. And actually, the only reason his brothers lived... And he wasn't going to cause them harm was because he feared God. And, you know, similarly, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 26, there was a, a, a situation there where Jeremiah says something that was, it was a prophecy of doom, basically. And a couple of people wanted to kill Jeremiah. And a couple of, 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 um, of elders in the assembly come and they speak about the, the situation, and, and they say this in, in Jeremiah 26, verse 18. They recall something that had happened in the past. Micah the Morishthite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jer Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of a forest, 
Then they asked the question, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him at all to death? Saying, there was another prophet who prophesied something horrible, and another king, did he do something about that? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pronounced against them? Thus might we procure great evil against our, our souls. And their recommendation was, we shouldn't do this even though we don't like what he said. Why? Because remember what Hezekiah did? He feared the Lord and, and he was put in the same situation as us and he did nothing about it. He didn't kill him. And so what it was is, again, they recognized that, that in Hezekiah's case, the reason why he didn't go out and, and, uh, and kill the man, this prophet who he didn't like his prophecy, was because of the, the characteristic in Hezekiah that he feared God. That was the preventative, that was the protection against them harming the, the, the others. And is that it keeps on making, the, the, the third thing that we're protected from when we truly fear God is that it keeps us from harming others, even if it's in, within our power to do so. And, you know, we, we learn and we understand scripturally that, that our nature leads to destructiveness. Our nature is bent on on, on avenging ourselves and, and making sure that we're, we come out on top. Our nature is that if, 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 we've been, if we don't like something, we will lash out. That's our nature. But we understand that when we were saved, our nature is changed. Why? Because now we know God. And now we have His nature. And so our nature becomes more like God when we fear God. And when, when we have that fear of God, we understand there's a greater authority in our lives. And so it keeps us from harming others. And I said unto them, in response to that question, what's the greatest, uh, what's the greatest commandment? He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he's saying there that actually when, when it comes to it, when, if we love God, then we're going to have a love for others. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we're not going to cause harm because we, we have a right estimation of God. And, and when I say harm, I'm talking about just, just that, 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 that sense of wanting to avenge ourselves, wanting to destroy someone for their injustice toward us we want the revenge we want to harm others because of our perceived and yet when we fear God the way we should then that's the restriction that that's the protection that that we need to that we get to be uh, to to be able to to act that that in a way that is not not natural to us it's God-given and so again, when, when we have these, these things in our lives, when we find our lives and there's a lot of conflict all the time and there's, there just seems to be that, you know, and sometimes we want to think it's someone else, but, but often what we ought to do is look at ourselves and start to say, well, is the conflict here because of me? And we better just double check that we're rightly fearing God the way we should. And, and you know, that comes sometimes just with, with great humility and humbleness before the Lord. But it keeps you from harming others. Really quickly, two more things. It, secondly, look at Acts chapter 13 and uh, fourthly, 
Acts chapter 13, and look at verse 1. Oh, sorry, verse 16, and he's, he's preaching here in, in Perga, uh, in, in Antioch. He comes to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he's about to preach. So in verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, men of Israel and ye that fear God give audience. Notice that he doesn't assume that it's, it's the, just men of Israel, those who were, were religious, were those also that fear God. He separates, he says, men of Israel and ye that fear God give audience. And then he goes through this whole, whole, uh, whole dialogue that he has about who Christ is and, and what he's done. And in verse 44, in the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles." For so hath the Lord commanded, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, and that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And, and what it was is, is, is they were preaching to these Jews, and they were saying to them, they were giving them Scripture. They were just going through Scripture. But the, the, the caveat that he had is, ye that fear God. And here's the point. You know, there were those that came back to want to receive the Word of God, but there were those who were just in their heart, rejecting it. And what the fear of God will do, it keeps you from not hearing God's word. You know, there's a lot of people who listen to a lot of preaching, but they don't hear. They don't have a great respect for the word of God. And, and what having a fear of God does is it, you value his word like you ought to. You know, a lot of people get offended with preaching. And a lot of people go about and they just... You know, if, if they don't like the preaching, they'll just reject it. But in a fear of God, it re, it, it's received. That's the, that's, the, that's the garden bed of God's, soil, uh, God's seed. That's the good soil, is having a fear of God. It, it, it brings us to a place of sensitivity. It brings us to a place of closeness. It brings us to a place of openness to the Word of God. And so fearing God keeps you from not hearing God's Word. It protects you from that. But then lastly, in, in, uh, in the book of Jonah, really quickly, I know we've gone, gone through those quickly, but Jonah chapter 1, you know the story of Jonah, he, he's told to go to, to Nineveh, he, he tries instead to run away into Tarshish, God had to get him to his senses, the storm comes, um, they're all trying to figure out how, how, it, how this was happening and they see Jonah, he was just asleep. <laughs> and he says there, so the shipmasters came to him and said in verse 6, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know, for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. So they're saying, It's you, Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation and whence comest thou? What is thy country? 
and of what uh, people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. So he came to a moment of realization. He says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So what does he tell them? Cast me into the sea. Right? Just in summary. He said, Just throw me overboard. And you think about the situation there that they found. He was asleep. Later on in chapter, chapter 4 of the, this book, um, he preaches to Nineveh. And we know the story. He, get, he got swallowed uh, by the great fish, the whale. He got spat out on the beach. The same beach he was heading to anyway, that he should have been heading to anyway. And the people get saved in Nineveh. And here's, here's his complaint in chapter 4. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, and imagine this accusation out of anger. He couldn't even accuse God of anything negative in his anger. He says, he says um, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before thee unto Tarshish. And notice what he says, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. What an accusation. He was right. And so he understood something about the mercy of God. He understood something about that. And, and even though he found himself in that situation, he could reconcile God's mercy in all of it. Even though Jonah found himself having been awoken from this, the comfort that he got from going against God, I think in that moment he just remembered, he understood again, just the mercy of God to just get him up, to get him going again. And what the, what the fear of God will lastly do, protect you from, is just simply this, going the wrong way. It'll Sometimes the fear of God is the thing that you'll need to just wake you up, to get you going to where you're supposed to be going. And knowing God helps us rest in His, in his nature, rest in His character. It helps us rest even... Uh, in our times of trouble, and, and he got Jonah to where he needed to get. And I'm saying that many times the reason why we feel uh, misdirected in our lives is really maybe there's just a lack of fear of God. Like we don't really com completely comprehend that actually God can get to us if he needs to. We don't quite comprehend that actually God's available and he does instruct and, and I want to encourage you tonight, you know, God's, God, the fear of God is, is not something to, to just be casual about. We need to fear God. But the, the, the thing about fear of God, it protects us from so much. And, and, you know, your fear of God, it's a shield that guards you from harm. It helps you get to where you need to get and preserves you from things that are often damaging and destructive and at the very least, it'll, it'll, it'll save you from an empty life. All right, Brother Jewel.